If you want to regret your search history, look up Double Dick Dude. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch. Of course, the show where we like to watch some movies that we loved in our youth and see if they're still any good. As always, I am Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. Mind this. And that's Bryce. And so this time around, we're going to be watching Lethal Weapon from 1987. And I want to start by saying this is not an intentional theme that we're doing. It's just purely coincidence that this is the very next movie from the very same director from our last episode. Oh, really? So this is, last time we did Goonies, directed by Richard Donner, which I think was 85. This was his very next movie, Lethal Weapon, from 1987. I so cannot he, believe it's the same director. Yeah. yeah it's a pretty that big shift. In, yeah, it's huge. It's way different. But I think that speaks to how great a director he is. You know, some directors, all of their movies feel the same. But, you know, this guy really knows how to tell a story with the appropriate tone for that story. And you got to wonder if maybe, like, maybe The Goonies wasn't his forte, but maybe Lethal Weapon is more his style. I don't know. All right. That might be a matter of your opinion, because if you remember, I like Goonies. Right, but also if you remember, you did point out that there was poor direction in the film sometimes as far as blocking and whatnot and characters just standing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you you are... I'm you just are saying in for a treat. I absolutely love this movie. I'm not saying I don't. What I'm saying is maybe the Lethal Weapon series is more his type of film that he enjoys directing. I like, I think maybe. his type of film is 80s cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you're accusing it of cheesy before we've even watched this it. This I'm more certain of because I've seen it more recently. Well, uh, I want to I wanna hear Nick make the argument that, that Lethal Weapon is 80s whimsy. <laughs> this no, is it's, not it's whimsy. 80s badass. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> but but still, I would I compare Lethal Weapon to Superman, two very different tones, and I think he knocks both of those out of the park. So Superman I, is a lethal weapon. But I would also argue that both movies are action movies and not a comedy. Yeah. So yeah, I guess my thesis statement is Richard Donner is fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll, we'll see if it holds up to our memories. So Richard Donner did a bunch of TV back in the 60s and 70s. Some westerns, Have Gun, Will Travel, Wagon Train, stuff like that. Then Twilight Zone. His, his first big movie was The Omen in 76. Then Superman. Oh, the original Omen? Yeah. Wow. And then Superman in 78. That is a Goonies, huge variety. Oh, I think there's a few small that things is, in between. Yeah. That is like almost every genre except romance. That's crazy. Um, Leave the Weapon is a romance. Oh my it's a God. romance. Uh. <laughs> well, Negative. I think that's apt. I mean, if you think about this concept of a buddy cop film, is Lethal Weapon not the template for that? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah it's a. It, but I wouldn't call it a romance movie. If you think of a romance as a structural thing, I, mean, I think that Master and Commander is absolutely a romance between the captain and the doctor. You know, maybe it's not a love story, but it's got that structure. Hmm. And I think Lethal Weapon has that too, structurally. I'll, I'll look for it. I'm not yeah. sold yet. I'll allow it. We'll, <laughs> we'll see after we've watched the movie. All right. I, I kind of think of this movie as having three main stars. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and a beautiful, beautiful saxophone. Oh, my God. 
That's my memory of this movie. I agree. <laughs> so we've got uh, Mel Gibson, who, of course, was, you know, this weird little Australian indie actor in these Mad Max movies that we started to import. And I was surprised to see when I looked it up, all three of the Mad Max movies came out before Lethal Weapon. Oh, absolutely. Mad Max was, the original Mad Max was pretty much, I believe, his first film, or at least his first big starring role. Yeah, that was back in 79. I seem to have remembered Thunderdome coming a lot later, but it was still 85. It was before any of the Lethal Weapon stuff. I was going to say, now I might be super ignorant, but I had no idea Mel Gibson was in the original Mad Max. Mel Gibson is the original Mad Max. Yeah, did not know that. Gap yeah. in knowledge right there. See, this is why we need to put the original Mad Max on the docket. Yeah, absolutely. Be you guys need to be educated in, in back in the days when Melba Gibson was cool. <laughs> in fact, you may know this, Ash. I seem to remember when they first played Mad Max in the U.S., they had to dub. Absolutely. They had and it to was Mel dub. Gibson dubbing his own voice, right? I don't believe so. I think it was somebody else, but internet, please correct me. But I, they had to dub over Mel Gibson's voice I thought it was with a different voice so the American version it's Mel Gibson we're seeing but as far as I understand I believe it's a different voice we're hearing is that like the Schwarzenegger getting dubbed in Austria because he doesn't sound manly enough in Austria thing well the reason why they had to dub Mel Gibson is because his Australian accent was so thick that American audiences couldn't understand him because he was so far you know very Aussie with his accent. I would make fun of people for that, except that I went to Ireland and felt (laughs) like I was not in a country that spoke English. I think Bryce felt the same way. Yeah, like if they were over 40, then I was just like, oh God, nope. I don't don't know what's happening. Bryce just nodded into the microphone. Nodding doesn't work (laughs) in a podcast. Yeah, still nodding. Okay. And it's funny, I was, I was trying to look up some information on Danny Glover, because in my mind, it's like, Danny Glover, of course, the Danny Glover. But then I start looking into him, and it's like, he did not really have a ton of stuff that you remember before Lethal Weapon. Huh, there was The Witness and The Color Purple, both oh. in 1985. But that's about it, as far as stuff you really remember. You know, there was, He did a lot of TV, he did a bunch of Hill Street Blues, but there wasn't anything that I felt like, oh, those are the things that I remember Danny Glover from. Yeah, I feel like he's pretty much worldwide known for, I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah, oh yeah, he's known as Murtaugh. And maybe that's yeah. why we know and love him. And then he got too old for acting and then like disappeared. <laughs> he really got too old for that shit. <laughs> too old for all the shit. What did he do after this? Yeah, what did he do? Um, you know, I'd, I'd have to look that up again. Um he did Grand Canyon, which I know a lot of people don't remember, but I thought was fantastic. But yeah, I'm kind of drawing a blank on what else he did. But I also wanted to talk a little bit about Shane Black, the writer of this film, who, who I think deserves a lot of credit for how awesome this movie is. Absolutely. Shane Black, he's written all four of the Lethal Weapon movies, Last Boy Scout, Last Action Hero, Long Kiss Goodnight. And then he wrote and directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Which, which is where he became BFFs with Robert Downey Jr. Oh. So when Jon Favreau decided he wasn't going to do any more Iron Man, 
from what I, I don't know how much truth there is to it, basically Robert Downey Jr.'s deal was you get Shane Black or I take a walk. Wow. And it turned out wow. to be the best choice ever because Iron Man 3, fantastic. Hmm. I haven't seen that one. And Shane Black is the guy who has this amazing reputation for writing these screenplays that are just kick-ass awesome. Like, you want to sit down and read the screenplay. Like, look up some Shane Black screenplays. And, and in fact, if, if you guys will allow it, I just want to read the first, like, half a page of the Lethal Weapon screenplay. Okay. So we can get an idea of just the badass that Shane Black is. Please do. So just from the very beginning, and I don't even know how much of this ended up in the final movie. Are you going to do voices though? I don't even have to because it's all stage direction. Oh, Like wow. this is, yeah. So, all right, it begins, fade in, city of angels, lies spread out beneath us in all its splendor, like a bargain basement promised land. Camera soars, dips, winds its way slowly, down, down, bringing us in over the city as we... Spiral downward, a lush, high-rise apartment complex, the moon reflected in glass. Camera continues to move in through billowing curtains, into the inner sanctum of a penthouse apartment, and here, boys and girls, is where we lose our breath, because spread-eagled on a sumptuous designer sofa lies the single most beautiful girl in the city. Blonde hair, a satin nightgown that positively glows, Sam Cooke music crooning from $500 speakers. Pastel colors, window walls, new wave furniture tortured into weird shapes. It looks like robots live here. Okay, I'll stop there. <laughs> and then... Yeah, look at that saxophone. <laughs> but yeah, this guy can write a fucking screenplay. Wow, yeah. And I've read little bits like the Iron Man 3 screenplay, and this is just like this guy's jam. If you want to just sit down and read just a fun, you know, as if it were a novel screenplay, Wow, Shane Black's your guy. Well, that's awesome. And you mentioned he did Last Action Hero? Yeah, he wrote Last Action Hero. That, that's on our list, right? I think it's on the list. That's yeah. a movie that I remember absolutely loving. Yeah, and I feel like uh, I loved that when I was younger, and I really feel like that would be one of those ones that might be the opposite now, but I don't know. <laughs> Could be, yeah. I remember Last Action Hero being the first time I saw Charles Dance, who you know as Tywin Lannister. Oh. And he was oh the big bad God. in Last <laughs> Action Hero, and he's so fucking good in that movie. It's always crazy when you like... You go back and you watch an older movie and then you see some actor that is like big on some show or something yeah. now and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out Charles Dance has been awesome for years and years. You've just kind of forgotten about him. Wow. He was in Alien 3, but oh. you've kind of forgotten about yeah. that. You know? Huh. So that's the movie we're getting into. Kind of the, the template of the buddy cop movie written by awesome screenwriter, one of my favorite directors. So I'll just say I'm, I'm anticipating that I'm going to like this very much. The one thing that I'm very interested is, you know, do my modern feelings about the creep that Mel Gibson has become, oh. is that going to affect this movie at all? Yeah. But Ooh. aside from that, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to enjoy this. I think it is going to feel dated, but I think I'm going to like it. I feel like this is one of those movies that makes you realize that Mel Gibson did not become that creep. 
that he's just been batshit crazy his whole life. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely batshit crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to judge. I mean, if you're a weird goon, but you're also a great actor, then you can't tell from your characters that you're a weird goon. Speaking of weird goons, is this movie, this is the Busey one, right? This is the Busey one. Is this yeah. what, is this pre or post crazy Busey? Well, I think there's a Busey spectrum, and but he, he got, started he, pretty crazy, and then Busey just got spectrum. worse and worse every step of the way. He got in that like that accident though, like that's why he's crazy. I think that came, I mean, that came well, well after this. But you can see, like, watch Point Break, and you see it amped up just a little bit more. You know, every step of the way, it gets a little higher. And now he's just full tilt Busey. <laughs> anyway, I remember this being one of my more favorite crazy action movies. And I'm looking forward to watching it again. I hope it stands up to what I remember because this was a rad movie when I was younger. What do you think, Sam? Um, so I've only seen this movie once. And it was within the past five years. So it's, I feel like it's a little more fresh than some of our other movies. And I think I'm going to enjoy it. I think I'm going to enjoy it. But I think the cheese is going to be really, really high. And I'm looking forward most to the saxophone because I think it will just make me bust out laughing every time I hear it, which is pretty often if I remember correctly in this movie. Yeah, I hope the saxophone is not one of those things that I'm remembering wrong. I know. But I remember the saxophone being a big part of this movie. Oh, it's there. I feel like... It's like a part of every 80s movie, right? Like I think it, eh. I think you may have that memory because how strong it is in this movie. Maybe. Well, there was a point where it transitioned into like the sick guitar sting. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if this was like in the transition or if this was well, like deep into saxophone zone. Was the guitar tr- transition first and then the saxophone? There was definitely the, the guitar thing I think was like diehardness, there was lots of guitar riff in, mm-hmm. in Die Hard, and that was after I think this. Die Hard had like an acoustic guitar to punctuate scenes. Did it? Wow. Oh. I think. And then there's Lost Boys, which really cemented the saxophone with that that concert in Santa Cruz with the big muscular saxophone guy. I don't remember. I don't remember oh, that. Man. A, a lot of our <laughs> listeners remember the saxophone guy in Lost Boys. The saxophone guy. That sounds like a Halloween costume. Yeah, you need some serious <laughs> muscles to pull that off. Uh, well, I'm going to say that I think I'm going to love this movie. This is this is one of my favorite movies when I was growing up. Um, I loved all of them. This was one of the movies series that my dad ha- loved and passed on his love to me. So I watched all of them on VHS. And um, I will say... That I my favorite high point of the Lethal Weapon series is Joe Pesci, so I am sad that he's not in this one. Yeah. But uh, I think I'm gonna absolutely love it. I I I'm a little fearful by your warning, Sam, because I remember it being awesome, but now I'm also like, well, I haven't seen it in like maybe ten plus years. <laughs> I'm a little scared. Yeah. Uh, but, sorry. Yeah, I'm excited. What do you think, Bryce? So I'm actually the one in the group who has never seen this movie. Uh, so yeah, based on what you guys are saying, it sounds like it's going to be uh, interesting, maybe a little cheesy, uh, hopefully enjoyable though. 
Have you seen any of the others? I've never seen a lethal weapon. Wow. Okay. So I'm curious with your reaction. I think this is one of those movies where you haven't seen it, but you've seen lots of movies that have mimicked certain elements of it. So I'm curious to see if you have some reaction like that. Okay. Yeah, there is so much of Lethal Weapon in every action movie after it. It's it's crazy. And I'm also curious to see like how many jokes you'll like suddenly like get because the I'm getting too old for this shit joke is just it's like practically a meme. It's also in- just the tip of the iceberg, man. Yeah, I mean, you don't really feel the resonance of I'm getting too old for this until you've gone through four movies and yeah. he's really too old for that yeah. shit. Yeah, it's great. And we're, oh, we're watching the wrong one, but I think it was Lethal Weapon 2 uh, that was like half of the plot of Grand Theft Auto 5. Okay. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, there's just, I don't know, there's just so much in these movies that just is still around. It's crazy. So, Bread Eagles. I want to I want to set a little uh, friendly wager for this movie. Oh, <laughs> um, we need to figure out some stakes, but I'm going to say that Trump Martin stakes, Riggs please. does not dislocate his shoulder in this movie. Oh my um, god, he does! No, b- b- I will baloney. totally take that Don't, bet. He totally Absolutely. does. They set it up in this. Shh, it's got to happen. You're we shut money. It's got to happen. That's, <laughs> well, I'm on the side of it. it fucking happens. It's it has to right. Absolutely, yeah, it happens. It totally happens. It happens. Within like the first 20 minutes of the film. Oh God, don't get yeah. that specific. That's dangerous. I, I absolutely remember He's going this. down in the fifth. I remember it. I remember it very distinctly. Okay. I yeah. feel like it didn't come in until later in the series. Okay. No. Well, there you go. All right. Friend, friendly wager. Friendly. I, I, I will argue right now too that like... Um, it's it is the defining point of his character when you're first learning about his character. Okay. And that is the thing that tells you that he's like fucking insane. And he does it, I believe, in front of Donald Glover. Uh are you imagining it in the 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 shared office in the police station? No, there's like an opening sequence where they're like chasing mm. I could be totally wrong now that you're looking at me like that, but I believe there's like the the first time they're chasing bad guys, and I remember they like crash into some store or something Stop. like that. If you no? if you know it's gonna happen, don't say it because we were gonna make Nick eat something weird or something. Well, I could be wrong too, <laughs> Nick. No, I'm I'm still I'm still holding fast. Yeah, see, he's not wavering. I can tell yeah. on his face. Right. What should what what are the stakes though? We have to make real stakes. Next time we gather, one of us, the loser, takes a shot at Bekarovka. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Bekarovka. Bekarovka. <laughs> I will not drink that again. Well, Sorry. It's, it's me and Nick bet. Okay. What? I'm not in this? Ash, you, you can be in it too. When he I'm doesn't dislocate his shoulder. He does. He's super going to do it, Nick. <laughs> All right. Ash, Ash, Ash and Brett against me. All right. Bekarovka. Yeah. And, Which, and by we'll- the way, listeners, Bekarovka is a Czech alcohol that tastes like cologne. Is that the smells one that like it. smells like peppermint? No. no. It smells no. like it's cologne. very strongly like oh, old yeah, man that cologne. The muskiest of scent. Yeah. And and those shots will be administered on our next episode. Oh, God. <laughs> All, right. All right. I will have to leave the room because if I smell it, I will throw up. 
So now let's uh, pause the recording. We'll watch Lethal Weapon. Um, You know, on our end, Ash, Bryce, and myself will be watching the director's cut. Oh. Sam, Brett, I don't know if you're watching the director's cut or not. Let me tell you. This is not available on Netflix, but it is on Amazon streaming, I believe. Um, rentable on iTunes and Google, I believe. It, it is on Google Play. It doesn't say if it's the director's cut, though. So you might have like two additional memories that I don't get from this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we may have some things that you know are a little bit different between the two, but it can't be much. A full 20 seconds of additional footage. Yeah. A full 20 more seconds of Mel Gibson's butt. <laughs> So why don't you watch some Lethal Weapon and join us back after we've seen the movie. The Lethal Weapon. I don't know the rest of the words to Lethal Weapon. Gonna fight a guy on my lawn. Lethal Weapon. I take full responsibility. Yeah, let's jump into it. We just watched Lethal Weapon. Yeah, and you son of a bitch. What? What? what, what? Oh, what you, yeah. What you we say, lost. You dug such a fucking I'm hole. I'm sorry. So there, deep. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. There was no, no. About like halfway into the film, I was like, well, shit. <laughs> Within Did you 20 feel the minutes, pressure mounting sure. and mounting as it went on and the shoulder never got dislocated? Yeah, how, yeah. how was that character defining shoulder displacement? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I tell you, in like another movie, it happens really soon. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It happens in Lethal Weapon 2 or 3. I think it's 3. It's IMDb trivia fact, like halfway down the page. This is the only one where it doesn't happen. Oh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> no, I did. I wish we had placed the bet on um, on the bathtub gag because right away I was like, does this one have the bubble bath gag? And Nick was like, what? Jesus. And then cut to bubble bath. His, so his creepy. His family is like, let's get in your space. Yeah. yeah. I While noticed- my dick's out. Yeah, I noticed the, the first three characters that they introduced were naked or topless, but more importantly, our two main characters are introduced but naked. naked, both of them. And his entire family is there when he's just sitting there with his junk out? Yeah, it's weird. That is so weird. I just kept That's thinking- weird, right? That was less weird than bringing a cake into the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, I guess like so. I don't yummy, care if yummy. you just like walk it like in and out. Like it once it's in the bathroom, it is tainted forever. <laughs> yeah, one time I tried to take a bubble bath with a glass of wine and Brett just was like, "Oh my god, what are you doing?" I'm like, "This is perfectly acceptable." He's get, like, "No, get it's the food not." Food out of the bathroom. Stop. <laughs> well, stop now. <laughs> That's the thing. Every time you see a young woman in a movie taking a bath, there's a glass of wine right there. Perfectly wow, stereotype. Well, stereotyping movies, yeah. They, I, the wine comes with the bubble bath. Yeah. I Maybe I'm not watching the same movies you guys are, but I can't think of very many movies where I've seen that, to be honest. I, know, I, feel, I, like I feel like there's... A, besides Sex in the City. Yeah, the, it's, it, there's a naked lady in a bubble bath in like every film. What are you talking about? Right, but the wine glass. 
I just wait, wait a second. <laughs> Did I just agree to something that I shouldn't? Have? <laughs> I just watched Pretty Woman, but I can't remember if that happens in it. No, she has the stereo, right? Oh. The headphones. I don't think she has the wine glass. I think at the movie Arthur, he's drinking in the bubble bath, but that's a guy. Anyway, yeah. just like congratulations, Nick. You won Thank that you. fucking bet. <laughs> you won. You I guess Brett and I will be subjected to the evils of Bekarovka again. Oh my god! Yeah, a few more episodes of this podcast, we might kill that bottle. Oh uh, no! no. Uh, See, right after we finished the intro, I was thinking, "Wow, I'm the guy who always remembers shit wrong in movies." Yeah, Nick was like worried, so legitimately worried. <laughs> yeah. Well, now we know it's your music guesses are as bad as. Ash's certainty that shit happens. Hey, you were certain too. You were so certain. Well, I think my music guess was pretty right in this case. Oh, Although yeah. I forgot about Michael Kamen and Eric Clapton, but Man, there the was, saxophone was definitely up front. Yeah. there And there was also the guitar licks. Like, yes, yes. Almost equally so. I want to set up a thesis statement that I think we might all share. I think this movie was awesome. Oh, it yeah. had a ton of great scenes, but it had a lot of shit that we're going to complain about yeah. that was just completely crazy. Nuts. And I want to start with the idea that if a police officer shoots somebody, they are automatically on administrative leave. Yes. Pending review of that shooting. Yes. So oh. Martin Riggs would have been out of this movie five minutes into the movie if these were real cops. <laughs> also, like he pulls the badge on those guys at the beginning and he's like, yeah, I'm a cop. And then there's silence and they're looking at him, expecting the rest of the cops to bust in with guns. And I'm expecting it because that's what should have fucking happened. <laughs> and <Right>. then he's <laughs> like, <laughs> he gets into this fucking hostage situation because his team sucks. No cops did their jobs in this movie. Or I like how they constantly just conveniently show up every time something happens. Let's yeah. go question this hooker. House explodes. Let's go question this guy. Oh, it just happens to be the same time they sent the helicopter out to shoot him. Well, I'm I'm also kind of bugged by the fact that they just keep rolling up on crime scenes and they're instantly in charge of everything. Like there's a guy who's threatening to jump. Riggs, homicide. homicide. Yeah. I'm in charge of this because I have anything to do with this scenario. Yeah. That was so weird and it made zero sense. I think that was more, that one specifically was more of a, if you act like you're supposed to be there, no one's going to question it sort of yeah. situation. Like, yeah. <laughs> walks up on the roof, I'm homicide. And the guy's like, all right. And like... <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I first saw that movie, my, my brain skipped a groove because they jump off of the building and then they land in the airbag, which my mind registered as the stunt airbag there on the movie set. <laughs> and I'm like, shouldn't they have cut around that airbag? <laughs> like that airbag didn't make any sense. The guy up there didn't know they were inflating the airbag. The audience wasn't clued into the fact that there was an airbag. It was, it's it was a cool switch. Yeah. Yeah, it's a switch of your expectation. Mm. I, I'm i more curious to know, like, do they really do that? Because, like, if you're 
standing on the top of a building threatening to jump off the building and they blow up a big airbag below you, I feel like you'd be like, well, shit, I guess this is over, isn't it? I guess I'll just get <laughs> off the building then because yeah. I'm not killing myself today. I mean, like, you've got to wonder if you make such a big fuss about jumping, are you actually committing to it? Like, Yeah. Well, clearly, I think that's what was going on in the actual scene. Yeah. Yeah. That he was just freaking out. Yeah, I think it kind of tips to what was going on in this movie, which was a series of awesome scenes, many of which really built these characters, but they didn't really necessarily make sense in an overall narrative. Yeah, I guess if you really think about it, Nick, to your point, he's like standing there telling Riggs like, I'll jump, I'll jump, but like clearly they've inflated this thing below him, so yeah. But it really built up Riggs as this guy who would just, Put his life on the line. Yeah. No big deal. See, that's, you know? I actually asked that question while we were watching the movie. And I was like, so they had the opening rig sequence, which totally set him up as the, you know, doesn't care if he dies crazy guy in the in the gun sequence then he like fucking pulls the trigger on on the guy he's got and then they cut from there to his like suicidal scene and so that was i was like is this scene necessary to continue like telling us that he's crazy the jumping off the building yeah i think that one was important because that wasn't so much for us it was more for murtaugh it was for murtaugh and then you know it was to make Murtaugh question whether or not he was indeed suicidal or not. Yeah. I think there's there's a lot of mediocre acting in this movie, but our two leads are really great. I agree. Oh, phenomenal. And incredible chemistry between the two. And yeah. that, I mean, that crying scene that you just brought up, Brett, is like just phenomenal acting, you know, like just you really feel mel gibson's pain and it's just like it just it bums me out to be like oh why'd you have to turn out to be an asshole in real life you're such a good actor every i want to support you (laughs) every time we looked at the camera brett and i looked at each other we're like he was crazy all along we knew it (laughs) yeah i think this is the only movie i can think of like usually you have bad guys who are really gross and racist and homophobic like, this is the movie where the hero was both racist and homophobic. He made that... <laughs> he was. Yeah, he made that right. The chin crack at the guy who was Chinese. And they're talking through the theory of maybe the two prostitute girls were in the bed together. Yeah, and he's like, gross. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's like, wow, I didn't think about this since the 80s. Like, he's both racist and homophobic and uh, that just kind of fit. Also, he was super racist when they were talking to the little kids and they were like, we're scared of cops because they shoot black people more often. And he's just laughing in the background. And I'm like, that's not funny, dude. Yeah, it's extra not funny in today's context. Yeah. Where the police kind of do just shoot black people, yeah, right? The kid said that and Nick's like, well. <laughs> well, kind of. I know. We were watching that and there's that scene near the end where uh, uh, <clears throat> Danny Glover has that cop run up on him he's like freeze and then he like reaches into his back pocket and pulls out his badge and i was like oh shit like 
that was the most unrealistic scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, she would have gotten mowed down yeah, so quick. True. And then and then and, and then like a minute later, Mel Gibson runs up with an assault rifle, and there's a cop standing in there. He's just like, yeah. "Whoa, buddy!" He's and like, like, "Wait, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, no gun on him?" <laughs> and he's like, "I'm a cop," and he's like, "Oh, okay," and he just lets him through. Yeah. And it's like, what? <laughs> Why did that work? Yeah. Yeah, this Amazing. this movie definitely glorifies the whole like I'm a tough cop attitude. Like I don't have to listen to the law. I'm above the law. Oh yeah, far far above the law. Yeah, yeah. And if- I mean, can you imagine the newspaper headline the day after a cop beats a suspect? <laughs> Under the eye of 20 other cops. Yeah. What about in the first scene when he's doing the drug bust and he says, I I should read you your rights, but I don't want to. Or like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh but my like, God. The the final fight scene, just think about it though. It, it, it was a straight up beat down of a suspect in front of 20 other cops and no other witnesses. The, headline, oh, the headlines dark. are suspect detained. Oh yeah, that would never get out. <laughs> yeah. That's dark. <laughs> So, did you notice in the background while they're walking around at the movie theater? <gasps> you know what's yes. playing? Lost Boys. Yes. Lost Boys. I, How crazy is that? I freaked out. I just started screaming yeah, Lost Boys until Brett saw it. <laughs> it's the nexus of saxophone music. <laughs> I think the saxophone music was just, it was a bit much, but... And and yes, all of this shit is so like like we're watching the last scene where he's like beating the shit out of him on the lawn and Nick's just like, oh, you lost me here. And I'm like, really? Because the scene is just so fucking awesome. And he's like, you're right. It's pretty awesome. And That's- it's like, even though it's like all unbelievable at some points like it's still the whole time you're watching it. You're like, this is so badass. Well, they had the intense the- music going. And it was like, this has to be the lowest stakes final fight of any action movie I've ever seen. But you still yeah. love it, right? Yeah, it like, they amazing. had him in custody. They could have put cuffs on, but like, want to have a fist fight? Yeah. yeah. This ends it's with, so with Busey getting arrested or killed. But like, let's, nope. let's, let's duke it out. You know where this ended yeah. in reality? Was when Busey went into the cop car and stood up and then... Mel Brooks had his gun around the corner. You just get shot. Mel Brooks was there? Mel Mel Brooks. Damn it. I really want to watch Robin Hood Men in Tights, guys. Uh, Mel Gibson, sorry. Yeah, Sam Sam was like, this is the time he chooses not to shoot a guy? Yeah, the guy that they know is the bad guy, like... Cause he wanted to beat the shit like, out of him. Just, just a regular ass nightclub bouncer stopped him in the nightclub and got fucking murdered. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a fascinating conflict in this movie where, you know, this stuff doesn't hold water. It's kind of weird and flimsy, but man, it works. Yeah. It's so beautifully shot. Oh yeah. It's the action is well executed. Like you said, the lighting is so good. The lighting. I forgot how good the lighting was in this movie. That red Christmas tree lighting when they're like, this one's going to get bloody. Yeah. And there's this unbelievable shot where it's framed with Riggs' face up in the top left and Murtaugh's gun in the bottom right, Mm. just shooting past his waist with that red lighting. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the, the lighting through the whole film, the way it's shot, you know, it just... 
it could have been I I was honestly after you said that in the beginning Sam I was expecting more cheese but to me the only cheesy thing in the movie was was well there were a few cheesy lines but the saxophone was really the cheesy part well also every actor other than the leads I don't know I didn't think anybody else was too horribly bad I mean the wife wasn't great the guy that ran the heroin ring was a terrible actor. The one with the eggnog oh. and he got shot and the eggnog oh, yeah, spilled. Yeah. yeah. And that guy they were trying to intimidate when they put the lighter to the guy's arm. Uh, the guy they were intimidating oh. was so bad. Oh my God, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are so crazy. You guys are gone. Sure, like I want to make a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm going to go out on a limb here and say something that might be a little controversial. I think <laughs> this is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. Right? How crazy. I yeah. forgot. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that it was a Christmas movie. And then on top of that, like, no offense, Die Hard films out there, but I'm going to throw this out. I think Mel Gibson is a much bigger badass in this movie than... Uh, um, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Like, My boy, Bruce no. Willis. Like, Bruce Willis is badass for one night. Mel Gibson is badass for, like, so many, like, amazing fights in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he's got a much richer character. Yeah, he's so much. So haunted. And you you completely believe how haunted and how torn apart yeah. he is. Yeah, and how, like, he could just snap at any second. His, like, his yeah. edge of craziness is so great. I, but you still see in him this, like, heart and caring and passion for for this family, th- these people who took him in, you know? Yeah. Well, the thing that I noticed a lot about this movie, uh, and, it's, and it's something that's missing in almost every other action movie, is that it's completely not self-aware like it took itself so so seriously yeah and that's why it worked so well because every yeah. other action movie is like aware that they're making an action movie and that it's like not fucking believable and there's always like this like meta jokes all over the place and even though it's an action movie and this one was just like no like our main character is like suicidally depressed and like uh, actually you know going like working out real problems and then also in this action movie that doesn't make sense in reality but but because they take it so seriously it works super well yeah totally totally i think it's i think it's the time it is the the early to mid 80s they were they had a lot of you know it reminds me of i remember some behind the scenes documentary about the making of superman and they had this big poster in the office with just the word verisimilitude which is just a heavy word to mean complete investment in the truth. So when they made Superman, the, the philosophy is absolutely believe all of this is important truth. And I think that's in Lethal Weapon too. Like as yeah. ridiculous as it may be, just invest into the truth of this. Yeah. I think it works. And the, the fact that the two main characters are so invested and there's even, you know, there's even cheesy one-liners from time to time. Like, Let's get the flock out of here. And they <laughs> like, had to fucking so crowbar that in. <laughs> so bad. You know, that's the sort of line where I would have thought, oh, they just changed that because I'm watching it on broadcast TV. Right? But no. Yeah. No, we're not. We're, we're watching the director's cut. Like, okay. Yeah. Brett had a really funny theory about when um, 
Busey was running around in traffic stealing cars. Remember? And he like jumps into this guy's car and he's like, can I test drive your Audi? Oh yeah, and that must have been a topical joke of the time, like that, because the way he said it, it was like <laughs> that was a tagline, and I don't know what he's referencing. <laughs> huh. He's probably quoting a commercial. Yeah. yeah, maybe. So one thing that I think is really fascinating: Have you guys all seen Iron Man three? Yeah, I haven't. No. So the helicopter scene on a beach house in Malibu is exactly the same scene in Iron Man three. Except it feels to me like Iron Man 3 is Shane Black saying, I wrote this scene, and in Lethal Weapon, they didn't quite get my scene right. Interesting. In Iron Man 3, he takes it all the way. Like, I don't want to ruin the scene, but imagine that scene in Iron Man 3, but way better. Like, they're pulling their punches here, but in Iron Man 3, like, helicopter comes out on the ocean house on the cliff and then just awesome shit also happens. probably much bigger budget in iron man 3 yeah maybe and yeah it's interesting to see a filmmaker not quite hit what he wanted and then later do that scene the way he really wanted do you remember the helicopter scene in true lies was that on a bridge no i was in a building okay i might be thinking of one of the mission impossibles uh oh no that was well, yeah okay uh, there was there were two i think there were two in in True Lies. Anyway, I, I feel like that's like, I mean, if, if Shane Black did it first, it's become a thing that people do now, too. Oh, it's it's badass. A helicopter coming around the proverbial corner just blasting guns. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool scene. <laughs> it, was, it was the end of one of the Max Payne video games. Man, that happens a lot. So there's one thing that, that kind of bugs me. So... They they come and they shoot Riggs. They let the bad guys believe that Riggs is dead. Therefore, they have the advantage, right? Right. So the advantage is, instead of there being one cop on this case in all of L.A., now there's two cops in all of L.A. on this case, and the bad guys don't know it. Why is Riggs being alive any more of an advantage than the other hundreds of cops in L.A. being alive? Well, the advantage... Was that he could snipe the guys and they wouldn't expect that he would be there. And he was the only one that could make that shot. But well, couldn't Murtaugh call in any SWAT sniper? Like, But they wouldn't have been able to make the shot as good as he could. Remember that? I think that's why they were setting that up. I don't know. So, I think yeah, it's a stretch. I think they were banking on him not telling other cops because they had his daughter. Yeah. That too. So. Definitely. Yeah. But the... I mean, the advantage, though, was that, you know, that he's this badass cop that can make sniper shots that other people can't. I, I, I mean, I would say they strongly set it up because yeah. they multiple times referred to that before that happened. Yeah, for sure. The advantage was that uh, Mel Gibson could actually shoot well. But I think the but air quotes uh, advantage was that they said they had an advantage because they fucking didn't. <laughs> I know. That's true. Yeah. They're like, oh, thing they think I'm dead now. That means we win. And it's like, mm. I think it's more yeah. so that he's less likely to be shot at again, you know? Like making yeah. them think that he's dead That's true. makes him safer because he's not a target anymore. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, that was that also to your point too, Brett, it's kind of refreshing that like, you know, they're like, we have the advantage, but then they didn't. You know, you in other movies that would 
that would have played out differently. Yeah. Which actually ties to what you know. I was thinking. I do enjoy Die Hard more still because Die Hard is about a guy who never has the advantage, who's barely making it up as he goes along. Where Lethal Weapon is about this guy who's like a complete badass the whole time. But I guess I just really like Riggs's character so much yeah. more than John McClane. That I do agree with. Yeah, and like I, I want to see him beat the shit out of this guy at yeah. the end. Like, you know, I don't necessarily want to see John McClane kill Alan Rickman. And it's because it's Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I do want to see Alan Rickman more than Gary Busey. That, yeah, yes. I'll agree with you there. Yeah, I think I think the Die Hard versus Lethal Weapon thing is definitely like that. I mean, that's actually what I was comparing it to was that Die Hard was definitely like aware of what movie they were making. Yeah, it's mm. almost a little like wink, wink, nudge, 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 you know? Yeah. yeah. As, a, as opposed to this felt more real and gritty and dirty and like down to yeah, earth. Yippee, yippee Kaye motherfuckers. I'm going to kick an yeah. bomb down an elevator and hope it explodes on the right floor. Like, <laughs> 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 I remember so very little about that movie. Die Hard? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Die Hard's one of the best. I need to watch it again. So speaking of things in this movie that you see done over and over again in other movies, I always have this thing that I always complain about, and I think, Ash, you and I have fought about it. When a car gets in an accident, it does not explode. Uh But in movie logic, if a car gets in an accident, you need to get away from it because it's going to explode. In this movie, we see a car get into a horrible accident, and then there were grenades in the car. Yeah. And it exploded, and it was an awesome shot. And I have to wonder, did every action filmmaker see that and say, wow, that's going in the movie? But then it doesn't make sense for cars to constantly explode. So they're just like, oh, if a, there's a gas tank. If a car crashes, we can make it explode and that's fine. <laughs> Was this the first time I just want to saw- say, I work on a car show, a car reality TV car show, and the gas tank on one of the, the motorcycles that he worked on caught fire. So I'm sorry, but like it can happen. Oh, certainly. Gas will catch fire, but that doesn't mean the car will explode. Yeah, did did the the flaming gas tank immediately explode? No, I don't think think in the situations when cars explode, it's an immediate thing either. But Mm. I I think it can indeed happen. I saw once, I was in Key West, and it was so hot outside that the gas tank of a car just ignited. Oh, shit, what? Yeah, it was nuts. And the car was just sitting there on the street, just burning. Wow. And it was fine. You could walk right next to it. Yes, gas is going to burn. That doesn't mean that it's going to blow up like it's full of grenades. Well, I don't think it's always going to, you know, have an explosion. I think there's certain situations where it can explode. Yeah. But f- in a movie, I feel like it's an always. Yeah, in a movie, it's an always. <laughs> I feel like yeah. automakers kind of are uh, incentivized to create cars that don't explode, even if the gas catches <laughs> on fire. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so here here's another thing that I was thinking about. I've never liked that thing and you see it in a lot of movies and I don't know if this is the first one or not. The you've got the bad guy down and you're about to kill him and nope, it's not worth it. And especially here like somehow you're noble cuz you didn't kill the last guy. You just killed 50 other people. 
but this guy, it's not worth it. Why is it not worth it for this one guy? Well, I mean, technically a police officer, you can't shoot uh, a perpetrator unless they point a gun at you and at all so like you so it's not worth the 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 paperwork breaking the law in that case (laughs) well yeah i mean if he had just like straight up murdered him yeah when he had the gun to his head like he would go to jail like that you can't do that so you can only a police officer can only you know fire their weapon when a perpetrator has pulled it. Are, are a we weapon. sure about does that? Does the perpetrator does the perpetrator have to pull their weapon in slow motion before the <laughs> yeah before you can shoot them? Definitely, because that was that shot was in Die Hard too. Everything's over, but oh no, the perpetrator comes out in slow mo firing. Also, did they like not have slow mo technology back then? Like, yeah, dear God, even, even modern movies do that shit though, and it's like they do. Uh, yeah. I, I understand it's a, a stylistic choice and it's wrong, always wrong, but like they always do it wrong. on purpose. What the fuck? You know, my least favorite is- one of that is Lord of the Rings. When oh my Frodo- God. Oh yeah. When uh, Frodo dies or you think he's dying for like no, the, no, the time. No, no, no. It's when he's holding the orb that he's not supposed mm. to be looking into the eye of Sauron or whatever. And then he like goes all slow motion and like seizes on the floor with the globe. It's There's horrible. also when uh, when they think he got stabbed when they're in like the oh, caves, yeah. yeah, and it's like this longest, the longest like slow mo scene of like no Frodo, and it's just horrible slow motion. Master now is is that a style choice or I think in the case of Lethal Weapon. Was it something they shot and later decided, wow, that would be better played in slow-mo? God, I always assumed that when I see that, the filmmaker later retrospect was like, oh, let's slow the shit down, even though we didn't shoot, you know, uh, for it. A high frame rate or a high shutter or anything. Let's just slow it down anyway. That's what it looks like. That's what I always assumed. But you read that. Maybe not. You read the script. The script and there's no way that wasn't written down. Yeah, I haven't read the whole script, but as I'm watching the movie, I'm imagining like what the prose would have been like in the script for that. It's also possible that perhaps, because this is speaking as a filmmaker who just shot slow mo the other weekend. Yeah, uh, it's also possible that maybe the slow mo camera of the time was incredibly expensive and out of budget because like it's actually pretty surprising how like few cameras are equipped to shoot slow-mo. That's a good and point. And how yeah, and how expensive cameras that do shoot super slow-mo are. And those would have been on film, which would yeah, have been exactly. even more. So maybe the technology either wasn't available or just out of their budget. What'd you find? All right, so on on a, a complete theory, I just went back to the screenplay for the movie. Okay. Because one of those moments that I'm watching, I'm thinking, I got to see what that says in the script. Yeah. Was when the general says, you've lost, there's no more heroes. And then yes. Riggs busts in. <laughs> yeah. Here's that scene. The general says, Mr. Larch, she's yours. Rianne screams, Murtaugh shouts, strains. The chair thumps up and down, creating an insane staccato rhythm. The general laughs. Rianne shrieks. Harrowing. Terrible. A scene out of hell. And then 
the devil comes in and kicks the door off its hinges. <laughs> okay, okay, let's stop for a moment. First off, to describe fully the mayhem which Riggs creates would not do it justice. Here, however, are a few pointers. He is not flashy. He is not Chuck Norris. Rather, he is like a sledgehammer hitting an egg. He does not knock people down. He does not injure them. He simply kills them. Oh my wow. God, that's it, so great. It goes on and on from there. I'm not going to keep going, but it's- Wow. I am amazed. I that, didn't, it's a fucking screenplay. I'm amazed that the screenplay has exactly the same tone as the movie and it didn't waver at all. Yeah. It just translated yeah. one-to-one. I'm amazed you could write a screenplay like that. Yeah, I'm going to sit <laughs> like, down and whoa. read this whole screenplay. And listeners, I just found this with a quick Google search. Like, kick back and that read this screenplay. Amazing. It's awesome. I would like, okay, go go to the end. I want to know what it says. The very, very end of the movie? Yeah, yeah the slow the, motion. The kick-ass fight. He launches himself at Joshua. Joshua strikes, scores a minor point, breaking Riggs' collarbone. Except Riggs doesn't care. No sorry, Bob. Because he just hit pay dirt. Joshua's knee. Boot strikes. Bam. Shearing the knee. Maybe bursting the cap. Joshua shrieks. But then again, so would you. And he promptly jackknives his fist right into Riggs' broken arm three times. Riggs bellows. Refuses to quit. Slams his head into Joshua's busted nose. Pop. Does it again. Joshua hammering on the broken arm. Pow. Scream. Pow. Scream. Until, son of a bitch... The pain is simply too intense. Nothing human can withstand it. They fall away, staggering, wrenching to a shaky halt, facing one another, standoff, <laughs> exhausted, limping, hardly able to speak. This is like Police cars poetry. pulling up now, cops stumbling out, guns yeah. clearing, their holsters as Murtaugh waves frantically, screams, no guns, let it go, God damn it, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I want to keep going, it's but I'm so just good. so much time here. I'll just start it off with like, I've loved this film and I still love this film. Mm. And I am so happy to see it again and see that in my opinion, it really, really holds up except for that horrible music. But it, it was good. It was so good. Yeah. I loved every minute of it. I also really enjoyed it, but saw a lot of flaws in it. And, and I'm left with two big things that I kept thinking about the whole movie. First, this movie felt like a flashback that we would cut to oh. as we're in the other movies. Yeah. Like I the other movies feel so much more polished and this feels like a flashback. Like, I wonder what it was like when they first met flashback. But what I really want to do now, the other thing I keep thinking, I really want to watch Lethal Weapon 4. Oh my God, I want to watch all of them now. I do want to watch all of them, but the, the whole thing that, that Jet Li brought to the picture was incredible because so there good. was this there was this part in Lethal Weapon 4 where it's like they can't possibly defeat this guy. I've never seen a villain oh, where they're like right. they're up against a brick wall. They cannot take this guy down. Cuz he was like an extra element that they hadn't. Yeah, he was just far more powerful than they'd have ever seen. And legitimately, like they always try to do that with sequels, but Jet Li I really felt like full stop I mean, this guy can't. And it's can't believable be because it's Jet Li. Like yeah, no, yeah. you're not going to beat Jet Li. <laughs> <laughs> and that did some really fascinating stuff for Riggs' character as well. Yeah. When he hit that complete no-win situation. So, See, I watched the whole film wanting to, you know, re-watch the It's Always Sunny Lethal Weapon <laughs> episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say this movie holds up, but it has some 
dated issues. Yeah. But it kind of it kind of almost adds to its charm. Sure. You yeah. know, it's like I don't know, it like takes me back. Yeah. You know, in a good way. And know. I'm going to sit back and read this screenplay. God, it's amazing. <laughs> Sam, what do you think? Um, I'm pretty much in line with you. Um I I enjoyed it a lot more the second time than I did the first time a few years back. I think the not knowing that the soundtrack was that cheesy and it just like took me out of it the first viewing. And this time mm. I had built it up in my head to be so much more cheesy that I just kind of like missed a lot of the riffs until Brett brought it up. And he was like, bam, bam, and making fun of it. And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> um, and even having seen Lethal Weapon a lot when I was younger, uh, I it was just not prepared for that credits music. <laughs> oh, oh man. I cannot believe so. they had a theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, it came on and I was like, did they write this for the movie? And then it, he's like, leave the weapon. And we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Or I think Nick even looked it up. He was like, what's the name of the song? And so he's like, this is Lethal Weapon. <laughs> motion picture, lethal Weapon. Yeah. yeah. But even with that terrible, terrible song at the end, uh, this movie uh, really held up for me. I really enjoyed watching it again. Uh, I, I agree. There's some super dated stuff. In my search to find out if I had just missed uh, the the Mel Gibson popping his arm out. Uh, I uncovered a really awesome dated fact about it, which was that this is the first movie to ever feature a cell phone. What? Whoa. I was wondering about yeah. that because that was a legit cell phone. <laughs> that was some but like huge yeah, stuff like that. But uh, what about that other fact about the casting? Oh, holy shit! They almost cast Jeff Goldblum as Mel as Riggs. What? As- no. Hold on, let me get that one up real quick. Cause oh my god, I uh 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 I think about it uh every night. I uh uh I even uh have a a hollow point a hollow point bullet. uh, Oh my god! uh, Just so it'll blow the back of my head off. (laughs) Some nights I don't even stop to think if I should. So let me let me read you this list of the people who turned down rigs the the role. And a couple of these people I don't know, but I know a lot of them. Uh, Christopher Reeve, Michael Nori, mm. Kurt Russell, Michael Keaton, Christopher Ooh. Lambert, oh. Charlie Sheen, mm. Patrick Swayze, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, Jeff Goldblum, Kevin Costner, Rutger Hauer, R- Richard Norton, Sean Penn, Richard Gere, and, Sean and Michael Penn? Douglas. They all turned it down before wow. they got wow. <laughs> to Mel Gibson. Wait. Who is like the second or third person you said was really Patrick oh, Stewart? Um, Kurt Russell. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That could have been really good. I mean, there's there's a that's, couple of names on there that would have been just a very very different movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's but, something man, Kurt Russell could have been great. Like, but there's something about, and I hate to say it now, but there to me, there's always been something about Mel Gibson that's so lovable. like now there isn't but like you know back then you see him and like i just can't help but like i i have so many emotions you you he's a you might be describing a crush it's okay (laughs) 
she oh, might no. have been your first no, 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 crush. No, Sam, don't even trip. I have a full-on crush on Mel Gibson don't as far as hotness dog. goes. Like that man is fucking attractive, Australian accent and all. But like, even if he did sorry, lose Bryce. that fight to the hairdryer. <laughs> <laughs> but like. You know, he's a badass. I feel sympathy for him, but there's something about his character that just makes him like super lovable. Lust. That I've just all, you know, he's just always kind of, he brings that to all of his characters. It's, it's the dog and the three stooges. Like there's a very yeah. human element to that there character. There is. And, and just something about like, he's got like this goofy side to him, yeah. you know, that I just don't think those other characters, those other actors would have brought to it at all yeah yeah, for sure yeah god i just remembered the the beautiful conflict when renee russo's character comes into the mix mm. and he just he can't let go of the dead wife yeah you know but then there's renee russo and yeah there oh, there's some he's really such good a stuff complex character yeah. yeah they they do the, he he's not a stereotype it could have been a stereotypical like cop film and it's really not i will argue though that this film set future stereotypes absolutely yeah of the cop that just has a death wish and doesn't care and like speaking of bryce what are your thoughts did you see stuff like that you've seen in other movies i don't know probably i mean i can't think of anything off the top of my head it definitely had that that 80s cheese but it was definitely pretty enjoyable <laughs> I'll take it. Did, did you like the film, Bryce? It was definitely pretty enjoyable. <laughs> so overall, I think it was a a pretty successful viewing. Like, I think we had a good time with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely did. So yeah, I guess that's it. If you enjoyed the episode, this part of the Last Stash TV content network, we've got a YouTube channel. There's lots of cool video game parodies and a drinking show and a cooking show. We've got this podcast. Uh, sometimes we appear on other people's stuff. Yeah, we just filmed something the other weekend. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what it was, so I won't. But we yeah. we filmed... So- Six weeks or so in the future, yeah, there six will be weeks a thing. In the future, there will be this really cool thing that Brett, Nick, and I were guesting on. Keep an eye out for that. <laughs> <laughs> you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Last Dash TV on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Last Dash TV, or you can follow Let's Rewatch, and that's at Let's Rewatch on Twitter as well. And you can recommend movies for us to watch. Hopefully we'll get to some recommendations soon, but we appreciate everybody who tweets at us and thanks for tweeting. We really, uh, we really appreciate all the tweets we get people saying they like the show and yeah, we need to get on those recommendations. I know we're so selfish watching the movies that we picked out (laughs) ourselves. We need to get some of the, some of the audience chosen Uh, movies. We all have, personal Twitters as well. Sam thinks she's on Twitter. I don't. She's not sure. Sam has once been on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, there were like two people who followed me this past week and that's cool. Wow. you're going to be really disappointed. I'm very sorry. (laughs) That's uh, Sam L. Wilson on Twitter. Thank you. If you want to follow her. I don't even Uh, know my own. Mine is Bread Eagles. uh, Bread underscore Eagles. I'm One Wheel Nick. I'm at Ash's stash and Bryce. Do you want to shout yours out? 
Sure. It's at Egnoff, E-G-G-N-O-F. Yeah. And if you liked our show, please go ahead and review us on iTunes. We really appreciate all the people that have already done that. That has helped us out tremendously. Yeah. Also, uh, Android peeps, uh, we're on Stitcher. Uh, and if you leave us a review on there, it would really help us out, get, get noticed more. So we do this every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe. And uh, we'll be seeing you again in another two weeks with more Let's Rewatch. Yeah, next time we'll be watching The Thing with Two Heads. Your mom? <laughs> <laughs>